The devotaries taught that when men died, the most valiant among them, the ones who fulfilled their calling best, would rise to help reclaim heaven. Each man would do as he had done in life. Spearmen to fight, farmers to work spiritual farms, light eyes to lead. The ardents were careful to point out that excellence in any calling would bring power. A farmer would be able to wave his hand and create great fields of spiritual crops. A spearman would be a great warrior, able to cause thunder with his shield and lightning with his spear. But what of the bridgemen? Would the Almighty demand that all of these fallen rise and continue their drudgery? Would Dunny and the others run bridges in the afterlife? Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book one, The Way of Kings. For chapters 59 and 60. If you haven't gotten that far in your reading yet, I would suggest going back and reading. And if you have gotten that far in your reading and you are exactly where you're supposed to be, I implore you to enjoy the episode. Oh, geez. Um, okay, well... <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and I just realized I never wrote a funny intro to this episode, but that doesn't matter because he's still Jack. What's up, man? <laughs> How are you? I just looked at my notes and went, oh, fuck, I never even wrote anything. You didn't even write an intro. How dare you? How dare you? No, I probably, there's there's a lot of stuff in these ch- chapters. I should have, there should have been something. Like he can stick Perhaps. rocks to a wall. It's Jack. Yeah. Or um, yeah. <laughs> hopefully you record what he says while he's in a vision. It's been an honor to record this many podcasts with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Chapter 59. Wow. Chapter 59. Dude, 59, we're coming down to it here. dude. It's getting close. It's getting so close. This title is an honor. It is honor an honor. Honor is spelled incorrectly, but that's okay. Honor. We are Canadian, so honor has a U. So does color. Um, So yeah, so let's talk about this death quote here first. Yes. Yeah, this is a little curious one. So uh, avoid the final void I hang. Sorry, avoid. Above the final void I hang, friends behind, friends before. The feast I must drink clings to their faces, and the words I must speak spark in my mind. The old oaths will be spoken anew. Mm-hmm. Pretty what cool. I find interesting is actually in the notes below that. Mm-hmm, the postscript. Where it says, diction improved remarkably when the sample was given. Mm-hmm. The, um, Why would the diction improve? Um, I think because the subject is a child of five years old. Mm-hmm. But his diction improves as he's dying. Like like saying these words mm-hmm. 
he says them better than he could have normally. Right, because he's only five. So when right. he starts saying it, um, he's a five-year-old and I, then something overtakes him, some, this. Right. But I think this is the first time that we kind of get a clear. Yes. Yes. Like understanding of that, mm-hmm. that something else is overtaking you. You're totally it's right. Like, you know, it's the, the hand up the puppet, like, you know, something, there's something else there. Right. Present in that moment. We've talked about this a little bit about how some uh, how some of these quotes were like well it was uh, said by in a rally and they um you know the the quote was like uh, pick up a spear pick up a, a crown but people normally mm-hmm. who use spears are not also kings that's a light eyes thing in a lot right. car so so we were like trying to make up reasons why some of these things weren't fitting but now we've right, got a clear right. picture that it doesn't necessarily matter at all mm-hmm no, I really thought that was an interesting observation by the um, the female uh, recorder mm-hmm. of this. The other thing that I want to point out um, about it is that um, this quote makes a lot of sense after we read mm-hmm. this chapter, because it says, and the words I must speak spark in my mind, the old oaths will be spoken anew, which is what Cal does right. in this chapter. He speaks the old right. oaths. But imagine a five-year-old doing that. Imagine Fiona, my kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like saying something so it's, weird yeah, and complicated. So, so articulate and yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really strange, but, mm. uh, I've always, I've, I love the death quotes. Yeah, me too. They're, so Kaladin, we have Kaladin observing and staring. He's intensely observing these three glowing topaz spheres. I love and, this. Uh, He's doing a Jedi mind trick. This is like, this, this reminds me of Mallrats. It's t- this is like the, <laughs> this is the guy, <laughs> you know, the guy in Mallrats, he's like desperately, he's either, well, there's two things in Mallrats. There's, right. there's, 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 um, there's the guy who's trying to use the force to like get things done. Yeah. And then there's the guy who's trying to see the painting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's yeah. trying to see the. The illusion painting. So this kind of reminded me of that moment. And I was thinking, oh man, like he's trying so hard to get these spheres to do something. Yeah. And they're just not working for them. So for him. So he's, he's holding his breath. He's focusing. Yeah. Holding his breath is the key thing here, right? He's holding his breath. (laughs) And he's trying to will the light into being and nothing is happening. Um, No matter what he commanded, willed or begged it, nothing was going on. And then Kaladin's like, well, maybe you guys are just wrong about me. Right. Um, it could have been a trick of the sunlight, he says. And then Tef's like, a trick of sunlight? Sticking a bag to the barrel? <laughs> sticking a bag to the barrel was <laughs> yeah. a trick of the light? He's like, all right, all right. Well, well, maybe it was some kind of fluke. Like, maybe it just happened this once. And when you were wounded. And whenever on a bridge run, you need a little extra boost of energy. Yeah. So I, I love this little dialogue after that. Yeah, it's great. It was very, very cool. And then he's like... Well, if I'm one of these radiants that you keep talking about, why can't I do anything? Mm-hmm. And uh, Tef's like, well, I don't know anything about the stormlight, but I, I know what should happen. According to stories that contradict one another, you've told me that the radiants could fly and walk and make stone melt by looking at it, move great distances and command the sunlight. I love this back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cal says here that um, he's, uh, he, he's, he thinks this little line here, he says, it seems poetically mm-hmm. appropriate that the moment he mm-hmm. accepted this strange, frightening part of himself, now we can't make it work. 
And it's like, right. for me, that, like, if that had been in italics, that would have been the wretch saying that. Because it's like, right. you know, you finally given in and now you can't do it, you dumbass kind of thing, you know? I like this too. The, the only thing we know for certain is this. Um, he plucked up one of the spheres and held it up between two fingers. The radiant sitting in this room is very tired of the color brown. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> As he's holding onto the topaz, yeah. he's like, one thing's for sure, topaz, not my favorite color. Not cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So done with topaz. You yeah. want to pass me a sapphire? Yeah. Can we Maybe get me some nice some blue on. or something or some rubies? Yeah. But in terms of brown, I'm done. Just so you know, done. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that's funny. Yeah, it's really. And funny. then Tef says you're, you're you're not a radiant lad. Yeah. Um, but being a radiant is more than the powers that you were just describing. It was their way of life, the things that they did, the immortal words. Yeah, he Cal Cal kind of teases the the this thing that um that Tef says right. Tef says like you know they could fly, they could walk on walls, they can do this, they can do that, mm-hmm. and then Cal is almost like making fun of it a little bit, like demeaning it. He's like you know um <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> why would they need to do both walk on walls and fly if they can fly? Why not just run up on the walls? Right. Yeah, I know. He's just yeah, and then he's, like an, he's frustrated. He's why frustrated. do either one if they can move great distances? So he's like kind of right. like, I think he's a little bit embarrassed that he's not able to do it yet. And so he's like kind of jabbing back like this is all stupid anyways. <laughs> yeah, he's you frustrated. I, mean? he's, he's, I didn't want to yeah. be a hockey player anyways. <laughs> yeah, stupid you know skates. I mean? <laughs> stupid stick doesn't <laughs> score goals. Yeah, stupid stick. <laughs> um. But the, the these immortal words, these ideals, guided everything that the Radiance did, right. Teft explains. The four later ideals were said to be different for every order of Radiance. I thought that was cool, which there are 10, mm-hmm. as far as I remember. Yeah, there are 10. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love this. Living is harder than dying. Yeah. So the Radiance duty is to live. So life before death means you don't just recklessly defend and give your life away. No. You... You you must live. Your duty is to live. Yeah. And then strength before weakness, the way that he's trying to explain that one is, and I really love this quote, strength does not make one capable of rule. Yeah. It makes one capable of service. Which is what we... I absolutely love that line because so often we hear might is right. Right. If you have the strength, then you can, you know, everybody is subservient to you just because of the rawness of strength. Mm-hmm. But here it's like, no, no, no. That strength is servitude. It's, you know, submission, right. basically. This is exactly what um, really cool. Dalinar is reading in The Way of Kings, right? We yeah. we mm-hmm. have that um, that story of uh, Nohadon, and he's like, you know, in order to be able to serve my people properly, I need to know what they go through, what they do, which is one of the tenets of from the uh, from Abamabar to uh, Uthiru. You know, he's in order, like, uh, if. I were to be a king to rule, all, all I'd be able to do is make laws about serving tea and wearing fancy shirts. I need to know what right. my people go through, and so the strength mm-hmm. to realize that and to and mm-hmm. the, the 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 ability to serve, not to rule these people, but to serve them as their chosen king. It's really really cool. Yeah, I love that. So cool. But then he says, um, "Journey before destination. There are always several ways to achieve a goal." 
Failure is preferable to winning through unjust means. Protecting mm-hmm. ten innocents is not ki- worth killing one. In the end, all men die. How you lived will be far more important to the Almighty than than what you accomplished. What a great, great th- sentiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sentiment I've heard before um, many times, um, but I think that it is important. Well, if you... Um, if you hold such things as honor um, to be of value, mm-hmm. if you don't hold something like that to be of value, then the end justifies the means. So kind of how Sadius is, well, the men, the men are expendable. I don't need to, Right. I don't need to, it's, it's not about how I win this battle. Mm-hmm. It's about winning the battle. Yeah. You brought up this metaphor I, before I've, about, you know, Dalinar might get to the top plateau slower and Sadius right. might get there faster, but it's not really about what happens at the plateau. It's what happens to get there. That's the most important thing. Right. It's the what journey. What you've done yeah. to get there. Right. That's why I was still surprised that, that there was the compromise from Dalinar. Right. As of previous chapter, I'm mm-hmm. still, still a little surprised by, by that. No, you're, and you're totally right to be a little disappointed in that, I think. Yeah. Um... So as you left off uh, with that end there, how you lived will be far more important to the Almighty. So um, Kaladin asks, so the knights are tied to religion. Mm-hmm. Isn't everything, Tef says. There was some old king who came up with all of this. Right. He had a wife and wrote it down in a book or something. My mother read it. The Radiance based the ideals on what was written there. I really like this little hint. I'm hoping that that gets expanded upon at some point in the series. Um. So I think that's really cool. No, I I was wondering whether this was the way of kings, but I wasn't sure. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So I I wasn't sure, but that's that's really cool. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, these radiants, they weren't just light eyes. Um, I, I like what Kaladin pipes in here. Yeah. That Teft is saying that they they weren't just light eyes. They they were radiants, and Cal says they were people. Right. Men and so he, again, kind of reducing them, like again, like you know, light eyes, radiance. Yeah, you can say these terms. You expect that they they hold some kind of meaning or you know, sense of honor or 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 whatnot. I, from what I've seen and lived, you know, unless I witness it, forget it. It's it's that doubt, right? Mm-hmm. And then he immediately says, "Men in power always pretend to." virtue or divine guidance, some kind of mandate to protect the rest of us. If we believe that the almighty put them where they are, it's easier for us to swallow what they do to us. Right. Right. That's huge. So this is like the whole opiates, like religion being the opiate for the masses, Mm -hmm. structural, organized church, organized religion. Um, I like, I want to, I want to hit back though on this whole, um, they're not light eyes, they're radiance thing, because I think what Teft is saying Mm -hmm that radiance are not light eyes or dark eyes. They're radiance. Right. Like right. classes, class system structure that Elethkar and Vornism has developed over however many thousands of years matters right. not to a radiant. Well, so Taft is saying they weren't just light eyes. That's the way it's right. said. Like, but to Kaladin, like he hasn't seen any light eyes rise above his expectation. Right. So why should I believe that other radiants or, or, or other light eyes could possibly be, be radiant. radiant? Right. 
You're right. right? You're right. Like how could they, how, how could they be radiant? Even even this Dalinar, he's fighting with Sadius, and the Bridgemen are still dying around him. Mm-hmm. Like you're still guilty by proxy in yeah. my books. <clears throat> but, um, um, I never used to believe Tef said, and then I saw you infusing light, and I began to wonder. I was I was surprised that that was the first moment that Teft was actually starting to believe. Well, he said before, assu- I think that he I'd assumed that he, um, that he didn't believe what his parents did and he left. Mm-hmm. So he, he probably just thought it was a lot of hooey and like, and didn't mm-hmm. believe any of it. But, but, you know, uh, having been taught it his whole life, all those teachings were still there whenever he saw Kaladin, which is like, oh my God, this was all true. Right. I like how when he, he brings up that his parents, you know, believed all of it, you know, the immortal words, the ideals, the night's radiant, even the old Voronism. And then uh, Kaladin pipes in, well, that, that Voronism led to the hierarchy, remember? The devoteries right. and the ardents aren't supposed to hold property is too dangerous. And I like, I like the next line a lot. Um, Tef snorted, why? You think they'd be worse at being in charge than the Light Eyes? Mm-hmm. This is an interesting, like, sort of level-headedness with regards to the exchange of power. Like, it really wouldn't matter if the Light Eyes no. were in power and had all the holdings, or if the uh, Ardents, you know, like the, the, it's the, the power will corrupt. Right. It'll find, you know, it's, it's in, I guess, the, um, the, the, the human condition, I guess, mm-hmm. is what you would chalk that up to. Um, Gaz has not been around no. in a while. And it's funny because we don't really, we haven't talked about it at all, you and I. There was one time when Kaladin well, said, Well, I, I, I thought Gaz? that when it was, well, yeah, like like when it was first mentioned, I thought, okay, well, I, I just didn't give it much thought. Right. But now that it's planted a seed and kind of grown, and again, it's mentioned here and also a little later in the chapter. Yeah, he asks her like blatantly. Uh, Gaz hasn't reappeared. It has been a week now and no sign of him. Yeah. And, and Cal asks her like blatantly, like, hey, we haven't seen Gaz in a while. What's up with that? <laughs> and like, she she just doesn't give him an answer. So Hashel comes by, uh, Lady Hashel has shown up with her palanquin and, uh, mm-hmm. and presents herself in, uh, in this, uh, armchair, uh, kind of fashion, armchair expert, um, little mm-hmm. plug. Hey, um, we love you. And yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, so she comes up in Kaladin's, yeah, like, uh, he, he, he basically, you know, asks her, but she, she just says no, like she doesn't. She doesn't answer his yeah. question. Like, um, she says that, oh, you've got such well-trained, uh, bridge leader, uh, you've got s- such a well-trained band here, bridge leader, mm-hmm. uh, so efficient at bridge runs. And he says, thank you, Brightness Hashel, even though he doesn't want to address her at all. And then he says, may I ask, Gaz hasn't been seen in some days now, is he well? And she just says no. Yeah, the answer no. doesn't address it any further. Is to the, is he well? Is he well? <clears throat> is he well? No. no. He's not well. So I wonder... I don't know. Is he being tortured for information about, about is he Kaladin? Dead? Is he dead? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I really. Well, I well was, one of the things we know about Gaz that we left last left was that he was supposed to make sure that they died on side carry, that Kaladin died on side carry. Remember, um, the, uh, high Lord, um, Lameral was like, you right. better 
make sure that this guy dies on the next thing. And he's and then Gaz was like, oh, he wants to do side carry. That's probably going to result in his death. Okay, do side carry, bud. And then after that, um, Cal was like trying to take the blame. He tried to take the blame for them. He's like, listen, it wasn't them. It was me. And it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Lamoral got killed by Sadius. And then Gaz just never came back. Just never came back. Yeah. Right. So. Well, he must have been summoned by Sadius for sure. It's got to be Sadius. Sadius. Um, that's my guess. Sadius. Um, so this, this is a little creepy. So she's she's complimenting and then she says, no, he's not well. And then he she, she then she just blurts out, my husband has made a decision. Your men are so good at bridge runs that you were a model to the other crews. And mm. as such, you will be on bridge duty every day from now on. And of course, this is shocking news to Kaladin. He says, every bridge run? You're going to make us go on every one. Yes, she said idly, tapping for her bearers to raise her. Your team is just too good. It must be used. You'll start full-time bridge duty tomorrow. Consider it, and here we get the title, an honor. So there's our title for the chapter. It's an honor that you will be basically sent to your death because it is believed by the men once this news gets around to the men mm-hmm. that they will be done in two weeks. Oh yeah. They cannot last two weeks. The plan was to have another three or four weeks of training with the spear and all that stuff. And they're like, we can't right. last that long. But um, let me ask you a question. Um, do you think that this is the second or third time that High Lady Hashal has said, my husband has decided, my husband wants, my husband, do you think that he's actually doing anything or do you think that she's just using him as a figurehead to do what she wants? I really don't know. I wish we knew more about Hashal. Mm-hmm. It's a little because mysterious. I really don't know. I really don't know exactly. It's a, it, the, her role is mysterious. And I don't think we've had a lot of breadcrumbs laid out so far to indicate one way or another right. what her motive is and why she is in this kind of power. But you're I, absolutely right. I mean, I like, personally like, don't believe her <laughs> when she when she says my husband <clears> has <throat> decided. I don't think she, her husband. I think her husband is like a couch potato and just doesn't give a fuck. And she's <laughs> the one who's like, I'll take care of this. You just eat your bonbons, dear. Eat your so crab legs. So, so you think she's being ambitious and she's just taking the reins? I think so. That's a, that's a simple motivation. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, in the absence of someone who's willing to do something, right. um, she's just, you know, steering the ship. And like, you know, she's just. We know in this society that like, you know, the men are the ones who normally do this. The men are the ones who normally right. do this. And the women are like the house scribes or like they have to paint and they have to do like womenly stuff. Uh, they're scholars, which is awesome. We like we know that part of it is really cool, but like this is a part for her. Like this is a a chance for her through her husband as proxy, able to have power over people, and I feel like she's mm-hmm. just all over it. I like that it says here after she says her line, consider it an honor. Mm-hmm. Kaladin inhaled sharply to keep himself from saying what he thought of her honor. He couldn't bring himself to bow as she retreated but she didn't seem to care. Yeah. They're ants to her, man. Just a little They're subtle nothing. thing on the caring, the caring thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but there oh, it yeah. is. Kaladin's there team is. wouldn't last in a few weeks. Um, Collects breath. <laughs> this, I love that. <laughs> what's that now? 
I love Taft. Collects breath. Collects breath. Uh, He's yeah. Got the best. She'll see us dead. It's not fair, Lopin says. And then Kaladin says, we're bridgemen. What made you think that any kind of fairness applied to us? There's right. a bit of the wretch. Mm-hmm. Moash says, she hasn't killed us fast enough for Sadius. You know that soldiers have been beaten for coming to look for you? To see the man who survived the high storm? Yeah, I wonder... He hasn't He hasn't <laughs> forgotten about you, Kaladin. Right. I really like that. Yeah, me too. I wonder if some of these people who got beaten to come and look at Kaladin were the carpenters that we think. You know how we have this side canon theory that the carpenters are best friends and they, they're like big uh, Kaladin fanboys? They're like, just like, we love that guy. <laughs> I what I, What I love most about this line is that all of the doubt that Kaladin has about believing in these legends and stories, there's the proof that there is a legend happening right now. Right. And, and it's, it's spreading. You. Yeah. Yeah. And people yeah, are interested because so cool. they're like, it's, that's something that we've never seen before. <clears throat> yeah. They say that uh, now that with Sadius and Dalinar working together, there are mm-hmm. plateau runs nearly every single day. Right, and it will all be over. We'll be wiped out. Mm-hmm. So, and Kaladin's like, I know, I know. And he's frustrated, and he takes a deep breath, forming fists, and then, uh, and then I think this is, yeah, uh, yeah Lopin says, Gancho, what? It's happening again. Yeah. Luminescent smoke rises from his, um, from his skin. So in that moment, he took in the breath, and he's like, "What did I do? I don't know." Jeff says, "Sill pipes in." I like yeah. this. You breathed it in, Syl says eagerly, whipping around in the air, a ribbon of light. You were mad. You drew in a breath, and the light, it came too. I love this. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Yeah. Gather the men, Kaladin says. We're going down to our chasm duty. Syl, I need something from you. What? She lands in front of him. Formed into a young woman. I thought this was important to note. I might be digging here, as I do. I'm a digger. I'm a digger. Um, I'm a digger. I'm, I'm, what, what are those guys in Fraggle Rock? I'm, uh, I'm a doozer. I'm a digger. <laughs> um, so, still, I need uh, something from you. What? She lands in front of him and forming into a young woman. I think I'm reading into it. I need something from you. I took as a bit of a, like, she's she wants to please him. Like, Oh, oh, you, oh! You need something from me. Well, then, in that case, I will be this young woman. Right. I will transform as into opposed this to like a wispy. Um, as opposed yeah. to a ribbon or or a light thing of air yeah. or whatever. But she, like she's eager. Like she's oh, oh again, it's that Tinkerbell kind of yeah. quality, right? Like the, Tinkerbell is you know wanting Peter to notice her. Right. Not just as a pixie, not just as a spren. Yeah. But as a as a as a as woman. a woman, yeah. Or as you know, as something. I think I might be digging there, but anyways, I highlighted it because I—that's what I was if, thinking in if that you're, um, split second. If your your thing is right, let's say for you know for for the argument's sake that this you know, what you're you're pointing out is totally true, it sucks for her because then he's like, "Can you go find us some Barshendi corpses?" I know. <laughs> well, that's she's well, like, this "Yes, Kaladin, go. Can you yes, go find Kaladin? out some oh, actually, uh, see some uh, gross uh, can... corpses for us?" Yeah. Do you want to go find some dead dead Barshendi bodies? <gasps> yeah be great oh. yeah and she, i could see her like twirling her hair trying to be all cute oh uh, what <laughs> gross it's kind of like adeline's dates yeah hey 
Do you want to go investigate uh, the An assassination? Death of my, or the potential assassination attempt sure. on my on, on my uncle? Yeah. Can I drink violet wine while I do? <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, he does invite her. He says, uh, um, "Go find us a place where some Parshendi corpses have fallen." And she says, "I thought you were going to go to uh, spear practice today." And he says, "That's what the men will be doing. Um, I'll get them organized first, and after that, I have a different task." And then we have a scene change. And that different task, he claps his hands. Yeah. This is really, I like this, really when cool. When he brings all the men into formation, this yeah. is awesome. This is, this is bridge four forming uh, into a double line wall formation. He claps his hands again. They form into a ring with one man standing behind every two in a quick step sur- uh, reserve. I love this. Yeah. They started off in arrowhead love- formation. Yep. These are all the same formations that we see Cal use with his old squad in Amram's army. Mm-hmm. Um, they use ring formation around Sen when Sen gets hurt. They use arrowhead right. when they're charging in towards the shard bearer. This is really cool. This is like a throwback to what we saw before. But he still feels they wouldn't last long in a fight. He's like, he, he, even even as well trained right. as they are, and he's, and he's so yeah. proud, he can't help but look at them and see the weakness. And he's like, you're not ready. Like, Yeah, he says... It says the walls of the chasm dripping with water and the bridgemen splashed through puddles. They were good. Better than they had any right to be. Better for their level of training than any team he'd worked with. So like, if he could have time to properly train these guys. Yeah. 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 But like you said, Teft is right. They wouldn't survive a fight. Knowing uh, what he says. uh, um, Like just... They wouldn't last in a fight a few more weeks and have them practice enough to thrust in sh- shields. Um, mm-hmm. Until then, they were just bridgemen who could move in fancy patterns, which is true, you know. Right. And there's the, also the inexperience of actually having to kill someone. You know, there's you can you can practice ha you can practice thrusting a spear <laughs> for you know a month straight, just all day every day. But if you've never right. hurt someone, that's gonna shock you as well. It's an entirely different experience, right? Right. So, um, so the men are going to continue on with their drills, and Kaladin and Sil are going to go see these bodies, these Parshendi bodies. Yeah. Um, so she zips off as a ribbon. Just want to note that because mm-hmm. I, I still kind of believe in that whole presenting herself as a young woman when he asked that he needed her. Before they leave, though, Tef tries to uh, send people with him. Because he's like, well, what if, you know, dangers and chasm fiends and stuff? Yeah. And he's like, it's okay. You, a couple of extra guys he's with like, spearmen isn't going to help me against the chasm fiends. And then he says, right. um, and then he says, uh, um, I'll be fine. And then he says, yeah, um, I'll, I'll. Teft calls him sir. And Cal hesitates. And he's like, when did Teft start calling me sir? He's like, it, it was odd that it felt so right. Like he liked the fact yeah. that Teft was calling him sir, even though Teft right. is the old man with the beard and Te- Cal's the young man. Like, you know, it felt right. Mm-hmm. It felt right. Yeah. Well, he, he gets out a, a sapphire mark for light, mm-hmm. um, around the bodies. There's life spren bobbing above life spren, spren head. Spren. Um, perhaps it should have felt eerie walking amongst these bodies, these darkened, um, slots alone. But they didn't bother Kaladin. This was a sacred place. Yeah. The sepulcher of the lowly. 
the burial cavern of bridgemen and spearmen who died by light-eyed edict, spilling blood down the sides of these ragged walls. This place wasn't eerie. It was holy. I love I that. I love that observation. Me too. I just think that's so great. Yeah. The, it's, it's, he's, come... he's walking amongst what, what to any, like if you and I walking this would be a place of horror, of battle, of, mm-hmm. of, um, yeah, uh, regret or, um, how, you know, how, how senseless this, 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 this violence, uh, is, yeah. but to him, he's looking at it like, no, no, these, these men have died here. Um, yeah. Like he's walking through the halls for, of the honored and, you know, right. For something greater than themselves. Right. right? Like this is a, this is a holy place. It's, a little, it's, not, uh, it's not a scary place. Halls of the honored is a little, uh, drop from our old D and D game that we just finished. So. Barrow of the Forgotten King. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. This is like a very holy important place to Cal now. It's become a place where him him and his men go and he honors these dead. And he did it even the first, first time. Remember when they first came down here and he said, you know, treat Mm -hmm. these bodies Mm -hmm. right, you know, like don't Mm -hmm. be, don't be, don't be assholes. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Well, uh, and even uh, another observation in the next paragraph, hundreds died each week winning gems for men who were already rich. Right. Winning vengeance for a king long dead. Yeah. The king is long dead. What's who's the vengeance for? The rich are already rich. So why are we getting more gem uh, gem hearts? Crazy, right? I would uh, I would push back only a little bit and say that these bridgemen are not part of this military. Even so, it's even worse. You know, these aren't even trained men. These are these are cannon fodder yeah these are the kobolds you send at the front of your army when you don't want to use your orcs and your goblins you just throw the 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 kobolds at the front or you throw your your peasants at the front um Mm -hmm. and you just waste those lives away like it's it's even worse than a a wasted military Mm -hmm. these people didn't even sign up for this now there's something to be said with their you know criminality and what ended them like you know in slavery no, <laughs> a world with slavery. We don't have to talk about that either. There's a whole kinds of wrong right. here, but um, <laughs> but these men are pro- not pro- even part of the pro- military, so they don't even have the honor of dying for their country right. or for service. Yeah. You know, they're dying for or nothing. making a half decent paycheck. You know, right. like, You know, even even that. You know, Cal actually thinks yeah. about this a little later. He says, um, you know, the um, I, I, I'm reading this uh, part for the uh, the intro for the dramatic read at the beginning, but. Um, he thinks about Voronism and about how, you know, when people die, when spearmen die, they go to fight in heaven, uh, to reclaim the halls farmers, even mm-hmm. farmers who, you know, uh, will work spiritual right. farms. And then he thinks to himself, what of the bridgemen, you know, would the almighty right. demand that all of these ri- uh, fallen rise yeah. to continue their drudgery? Continue and I love this drudgery. line here. Would Dunny and the others run bridges in the afterlife? Like what kind of fucked up afterlife is that? Right, where you, you die get to and go to heaven, only have to carry the bridge again. Yeah, again, this is this is um, this is Kaladin, you know, um, questioning. He carries with him his a sense of incredulity and skepticism, mm-hmm. and I love that about him. That he's even though he's really as I'm as I think he as I as I believe he is, yeah. he's a living legend coming into being. Um, but yet he still hangs on to all of this doubt and he's willing to take apart 
yeah you know whatever might not make sense so yeah i i underlined uh, those passages as well he starts thinking about um about the other bridgeman if him and Br- bridge four leave and they escape like they want to he's leaving mm-hmm. all those other bridgemen to die without him and he's like i can't think of everyone else if i worry too much about all these other bridge crews um then i'll never save my men you know he thinks to himself right right um, he can't save uh, them all right yeah he's like of course if he did escape with his team sadius would replace them with others who would die in their stead i have to worry about what i can do he told himself the other bridgemen aren't my responsibility and he said, Tef talked right. about radiance, about ideals and stories. Why couldn't men actually be like that? Why did they have to rely on dreams and fabrications for inspiration? And I then in, in italics too. here, yeah, it's so great, eh? In italics here, mm-hmm. it says, if you flee, you'll leave all the other bridgemen to be slaughtered. A slaughtered, a voice whispered inside him. There has to be something you can do for them. And then he thought, and he fights back against this thought saying, no, if I have to worry mm-hmm. about that, then I won't be able to save the bridge four. And if I find a way out, we're going. And then the voice yet again says, if you leave, then who will fight for them? Nobody cares. Nobody. And then he thinks to himself, is that his father's voice in, in his head? His father right. did, he did what he felt was right because he had someone to start. His father thinks to him, I'm sorry. His father said to him all those years ago, <clears throat> He mm-hmm. did what he felt was right because someone had to start. Someone had right. to take the first step. And Cal Cal has taken this first step in a macro and a micro sense. He took the first step when he tried to make Bridge 4 different, right? And he's right. also taking a first step right now with this whole Stormlight, Radiant, um, whatever's happening to him. He's taking a first step here. It's one of the reasons why we earlier heard these soldiers wanting to come and see a man who could survive a, a, a high storm. This kind of stuff hasn't happened in a long time. And so Cal seems to be the one of the first people that something miraculous is happening to. Yeah. I love the way But we know that's described. not necessarily true because we know that there's a guy dressed in white who can also do this kind of stuff. That's true. Yeah. Um, I love the way this is described here. I'm just going to read a bit. The, the, mm-hmm. the sphere grew cold and a wave of heat shot up his arm. He opened his eyes and the sphere in his hand was done and his fingers were crispy with frost. Light rose from him like smoke from a fire, white, pure. He felt alive with energy. He had no need to breathe. In fact, he held the breath in, trapping the stormlight. Sill zipped back down the corridor toward him. She twisted around him, then came to rest in the air, taking the form of a woman. You did it. What happened? Kaladin shook his head, holding his breath. Something was surging within him. Like a storm, raging inside his veins. A tempest sweeping about inside his chest cavity. It made him want to run, jump, yell. It almost made him want to burst. He felt as if he could walk on air or walls. So can we talk a little bit about how love that. Um, the gemstones <laughs> hold Stormlight and Cal at one point looked at it and said, I can almost see a storm, storm inside. Mm-hmm. And then he's now breathed that power in and he can right. feel the storm inside. Yeah. It's really awesome. I know. 
Um, it's so this cool. Is, it's really cool. This is the first time, dude. This is the first time he does it on purpose. Every other time was an accident. Right. Even earlier in the chapter, right. that was accidental. He thought about it and he did it. This is the first time he does it on his own. He breaks into a run, leaps. I love <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. He, he hit feet mass. first, then <laughs> bounced off and slams back in the ground. He's still stunned that he cries out, feeling the storm within him dampen a bit. Um, he lays on his back. <laughs> a stormlight rose, uh, rose more from him. Um, lays there for a minute, still lands on his chest and says, Kaladin, what was that? Me being an idiot, he replied, <laughs> yeah. sitting up and feeling an ache in his back. <sighs> Tef said that the Radiants were able to walk on walls, and I felt so alive. Sill walked on the air, stepping as if down a set of stairs. I like that she's walking on there, of course. Right. Um, I don't think you're ready for that yet. Um, don't be so... Ris- I don't think you're ready for that jelly. I just had that thought. Um, <laughs> you don't think I'm uh, ready for that sorry. jelly? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had a little Beyonce come yeah. in there. Um don't be so risky. If you die, I go stupid again, you know? Yeah. That's true. Well, what do you mean that's true? Well, we know they're so, that... They're so intrinsically linked, yeah. Well, okay. we know that um, she, the more time she spends around him, we, yeah. we know that she, she said, becomes if more. I too fly too far away from you, I start to forget myself. Right. Yeah, I love it. It's so cool. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. Um, I, I can't help but love the idea of him... Uh, breathing in the stormlight, being like, there's a storm inside me. And then he literally I runs into the wall. Then, he just yeah. rah, runs and like slams himself into the <laughs> wall. It's so awesome. I, I, I sort of imagine him going, owie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, cut gemstones apparently held stormlight better. Why was that? He asks. Just a little note about that. There's nothing more about it. No. I thought, I thought I'd bring it up. I think, I mean, we've, um, we've kind of talked about this before. Um, and I said, I have no idea because I'm not a gemologist, but I'm sure that there's a re- light reflecting reason for for cut gems as opposed to raw, right? Like, we, I think we talked about mm-hmm. this before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, Kaladin is getting down to these Parshendi, these corpses. Right. And he's thinking, I'd better be right about this. And he pulls out a knife uh, off of one of the Barshendi bodies, and he begins to cut the strange breastplate away from the corpse's chest. Small Mm -hmm. blue ligaments held the breastplate to the skin underneath. So he begins basically performing surgery. Right. In a way. Yeah, he even says the knife I'm using is not as good as a surgeon's tool, but it'll do. It'll do. And Lo- so Lopin he, comes back with removes, some supplies. Yeah. yeah. He comes back and he's got Go some ahead. stuff. And then Lopin asks him, have you lost your wits? <laughs> <laughs> if I'd lost my wits, he says, would I, would I say that I had? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. He's like, um, yeah, I guess so it doesn't he, matter he if you're crazy these, or not. He separates these breastplates and, and leather vests um, and then ties them onto the front with some of the leather straps. So... Right. I'm a little bit... Does he plan on using these? Hmm. Oh, yes, because he stashes them for later. That's right on the bridge. Right. Now, That's what I he's remember. stashing under the bridge, right? Right, right. So he's he's like t- 
tied the breastplate, the carapace of a Parshendi warrior onto a right. leather vest. And then the skull cap he put onto an actual like right. helmet skull cap or whatever. So right. yeah, he's planning something. He's planning ahead. So, um, so he get he gets that, he gets those materials together. And I like what he, what he says here with regards to the whole plan. Right. Um, he says, uh, the more Kaladin thought about what he was planning, the more brazen it seemed. Perhaps Lopin was right to question his sanity. But Kaladin had tried being rational. He'd tried being careful. That had failed. Now there wasn't any more time for logic or care. Hashal obviously intended Bridge 4 to be exterminated. Right. When clever, careful plans failed, it was time to try something desperate. Mm-hmm. And then, so I kind of, um, so I'm thinking, okay, so he's gathering this material, and I'm like, okay, and then I, I turn the page, and I'm reading, and then I hear, and I read the word, or I read uh, that Lopin, the Herdesian man, had grown pale-faced and frozen in place. What was scraping? Mm-hmm. A deep, grinding sound, something large. Something enormous. Did you think that we're going to have to fight Kindness, it? legs, scratching on rock. So when I'm reading this this paragraph, I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God, we're getting a Chasm Fiend fight and it's going to be just Cal. So that's what I was thinking, right? right. So I'm just reading this very, very nervously, right? As yeah. a first time reader. So I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. And then, um, but they play it safe and they get, they get very quiet. Kaladin holds his breath. Sweating, but the beast didn't come in their direction. And then Lopin looks over to Kaladin and says, Guess the nearby ones aren't all dead, eh, Gencho? <laughs> I just think it's so funny yeah. that he's just like... Yeah, because he like, said earlier... Yeah, we just tiptoed like yeah. this giant lumbering beast that could kill us all. Yeah. Um, you could be dinner. Just, you know, yeah, exactly. Unreal. But then but then it gets even funnier. because So, so there's the Gancho thing, It's which is funny. Hey, Gancho. Um, but then, but then there's, uh, there's Sil who comes by. What's yeah. going on? Yeah, exactly. Callan I love says, this. And Callan says, Chasm Fiend. Really? Oh, we should chase after it. What? Yeah. Sure, she says. You could you fight, could fight it. it. I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, Sil, her eyes were twinkling with amusement. Yeah. Twinkling? Come on. Yeah. This is, I'm sorry, there's a Peter Pan thing here. Just save all that her stuff eyes, for the bonus episode. We're going to do a bonus I know, episode. I know, I know. Okay, ju- just a joke. Come on, she and she zips away. So she zips away. Then I guess they're getting closer to their, their plan, which is to get this stuff uh, onto this lower bridge that they find. Yeah. And he... These are, some of these bridges are the ones that are like still in place. They just stay there. Correct. Yeah, they're still in place, but they find one of the lower ones. Is, right. is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's only 40 feet up as opposed to like 100 feet up, which they get higher the, the farther into the Shattered Plains you get. He takes out a pouch of spheres in his hand and tried to think the same way he had earlier when mm-hmm. he'd drawn in the Stormlight. This is our last chance. And he, and he actually whispers, life before death strength before weakness, journey before destination. The first ideal of the night's radiant, he breathed in deeply, and a thick jolt of power shot up his arm, 
his muscles burned with energy, and the desire to move. The tempest spread within, pushing at his skin, causing his blood to pump in a powerful rhythm. He opened his eyes. Glowing smoke rose around him. He was able to contain much of the light, holding it in by holding his breath. It's like a storm inside me. It felt as if it would rip him apart. Oh, man. I just, I just love all this <laughs> so much. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, this had better work. So this is it, dude. This is and the first. He he speaks yeah, the first infu- ideal for reals this time. He's said those words before, yeah. but he spoke them mm-hmm. with purpose this time and breathed in stormlight right, right afterwards. It's so the you're first right. Time he just, like the, just like at the beginning of this chapter with the death quote, he right. does reiterate them again. Yeah, he right. does say them. Mm-hmm. He infuses the, st- uh, the stone with stormlight, frost crystallizing on his arm. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried not to think about what he was doing. Climbing on rocks, stuck to the wall by what? Light? Spren? He's like, what am I doing? This is insane. Yeah. Um, and then he was also had a thought. Uh, I thought this was the surgeon coming here uh, in, in italics. Should have found some d- rock dust to cover my hands to give him a better grip. I thought that was a very calculated thing to want. Yeah. So, so I, I thought that was a very sort of surgeon it's like, kind of um, observation. It's like a gymnast, right? Having chalk yeah. on their hands to do the parallel bar, bars or whatever. I or almost just, called them parallel rocker. balls. You know, gymnasts playing with those <laughs> parallel balls. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> Every day. Every day. <laughs> um, um, so anyway, so so he manages to pull these uh, th- this maneuver off. Yeah. But as he's walking and up... the whole purpose is to get... Sorry, go ahead. So just, just that he's using these rocks to climb the wall, but as he's going mm-hmm. up, the rocks are falling. Falling. Right. Yeah. Off the wall. Making it making it unable for him to climb come back, back down. down. Right. So basically, as he's getting up higher and higher, okay, great, he can get the, um, the armor uh, where he wants it to be, and he's going to drop a rope mm-hmm. uh, down, um, but in order for, for for him to to tie it onto the bridge but then he needs to you know make sure that rope's not there right yeah because it'll just be dangling and someone could see it it'll just be dangling so i like this other observation as well that um uh well for one he'd been holding his breath for a good quarter hour now that's a long time that is a long time also, he notes that he didn't get vertigo from the height. Instead, he felt a little surge of excitement. Yeah. Something about him had always liked being up high. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of his uh, vision when he was... Uh, flying going at out the head over. of the storm, yeah. It felt natural. It was being below, trapped in holes and unable to see the world. That was depressing to him. Mm-hmm. But Syl is like... <laughs> she's like, so, so cut the rope free. While dangling from it, you'll be yeah. fine, she says. That's a 40-foot drop. I'd break bones at the very least. No, I feel right about this, Kaladin. You'll be fine. Trust me. Trust you. Still, you've said yourself that your memory is fractured. You insulted me the other week. I think you owe me an apology. I'm supposed to apologize by cutting a rope and dropping 40 feet? No, you apologize, you apologize by trusting me. Yeah. 
that. <laughs> yeah. It's such manipulation. You apologize from a by spread. trusting me. I love that. Yeah. That is such a good line. Yeah. You apologize by trusting me. It's so true. I told you. I feel right about we this. We could do that more often in our own lives. <sighs> right? To- Dude, that's a great line. It's a great line. It's a great line. Thank you, Brandon, Mr. Sanderson. For the great awesome. lines. For the great lines. Um, dropping the rope and hitting the ground. So he, so he does it. And it's all right. Mm-hmm. He hits the ground with both feet down, coming into a crouch, resting one hand on the stone, a jolt of coldness shooting up through him. He did it. He did it. And then uh, Lopin is like, like 10, cr- like 10 crashes of thunder on the Mount Scancho. That was incredible. <laughs> and he says, thank you. I told you, Sil says. Landing on his shoulder. Lopin, Kaladin says, you uh, think you can get that bundle of armor during the next bridge run? Sure. Nobody will see. They ignore us, Hurdies. This is. Get it and hide this it. This is harsh. Give it to me. The whole, they ignore us. Yeah. Um, they ignore us, Hurdies. They ignore Bridgman, and they especially ignore cripples. To them, I'm so invisible, I should be walking through walls. Yeah. Oh, poor Lopin. Yeah. Yeah, it's Not it's good. pretty crazy. So he falls from the top, and he just lands in this, like, superhero yeah. landing. Oh, yeah. That was a, a Matrix landing. Yeah. So, so that's pretty much <laughs> the end of the, the chapter. Um, that's it so get it and hide this and uh, make it available for me and then um, Lopin says I don't think this will be any different from what you tried before and Kaladin just says we'll see just do it yeah and that's the end of the chapter so um, so what do you uh, what's your highlight for this chapter ooh I don't know um well, I think maybe in part that uh, you apologize by trusting me. Yeah, that's really great. From Sill. I think that's a really good moment. Um, it's kind of a letdown what the chapter's about. Like an honor is like, it's an honor to die. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's an honor for Kaladin to, um, to, you know, serve his men. He's using his strength to serve. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things journey before destination. It doesn't matter if they, you know, uh, get to the, um, the, the green grass on the other side. Um, it matters that he has brought his men, he's given them names, given them better health, treated them better with their wounds and their infections. He's improved their quality of life. Um, and he has made them last longer. Mm -hmm. He's now trained them militarily, which gives them uh, a, a skill. ability to survive and the ability just to survive and potentially get mm-hmm. out of here. I mean, this is, this is a massive undertaking that Kaladin mm-hmm. has done with bridge four. So I guess it, I guess that's the honor. Yeah. That's really cool. There's, um, there's another, what about yours? Um, there is another secret reason why this chapter is called an honor and I can't talk to you about it yet. Um, if you are already a, um, reader of this book, you will know what I'm talking about. Um, a secret reason. Yeah. I can't really say anything yet. There's a, and you can't tell me. I can't. Come on, Gancho. Sorry, Ming. But my, um, my highlight for this chapter is, uh, this is a chapter of firsts. 
he um, a chapter of, oh he yes. breathes in the stormlight mm-hmm. for the time first he's... time on purpose. Mm-hmm. He speaks the oaths, um, the first ideal on purpose, not just saying the words, but speaking them with determination and focus. And then he actually binds the rocks to the wall to climb on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, he did the bag before and he did mm-hmm. something else before by accident. He's clearly done some stuff with arrows on the, on the battlefield, but this was, that was all reactionary. This was all purposeful. And so this is like the, we talked earlier about, um, um, a big step Kaladin taking the first step. His father said, someone has to take the first step. Kaladin is taking all those first steps in this one right. chapter. So I really like that. That's my highlight. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So chapter 60, um, that which we cannot have. So yeah, this death quote or this, um, what would we call it before? A uh, death delirium. Del- yeah. The, uh, the death is my life. The strength becomes my weakness. The journey is ended. Subject for this death quote was some minor renown sample collected secondhand considered questionable. Yeah, yeah so I don't this is have like a, too much to say about this one, but well, this is a um, a flip of the uh, first ideal that we mm-hmm. fully explored last chapter, right? Um, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination, and this death quote is saying that death is it's my life. The opposite. Yeah. The strength becomes my weakness and the journey has ended. So this is like a very, um, poor, uh, example of the first ideal. Yeah. It's very yeah. <laughs> contradictory. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, we start the, uh, the, the chapter here with, uh, Adeline, Dalinar and, uh, Renarin again, kind of the same setup we had the, a few chapters ago when they were like sitting around the hearth in front of the fire, talking about everything. And we kind of get a revisit mm-hmm. of that. I like this, uh, this dialogue here where, An- uh, where Adeline says, you absolutely cannot abdicate to me, no matter yep. what we discover with the visions. And Dalinar is like, is that so? Um... Adeline stops in the hallway. Um, the two of them are on their way to Dalinar's chambers. And uh, Dalinar says, very well, you've you've convinced me. And Adeline's yeah. like, really? I mean, I actually won an argument with you? Yeah. And Dalinar says, yes, your points are valid. But I have a requirement. I'll, I'm going to draft an order notarized by the highest of my scribes and witnessed by Elokar that gives you the right to depose me should I grow too unstable. So this is a little bit, I'm hoping it's not prophetic that um, Dalinar is seeing his own end. Right. I'm hoping that that's not the case with this, mm-hmm. but that's the, that was the the note that I made with regards to him feeling that he must draft up this order. Yeah. He's, um, he's safeguarding against that, right? Like he, mm-hmm. it's funny because he, he makes Adeline feel like Adeline's argument is the thing that made him change his mind about abdication. Right. When but it in wasn't reality, yeah. it's not. Yeah, yeah. We know that he yeah. came to that decision <laughs> when he was with Sadius and the King over at Adeline's duel. Um, and he, um, he, he already made up his mind, but he's making, he's letting Adeline, Adeline win this one. Like, yes, son, you are the reason why. <laughs> I like, I like this too, that Adeline, Adeline's my man. And I think Adeline and Navani in this chapter are my peeps. 
because yeah. of what yeah because of what they're saying. So Ad, so Adeline um, says back to his father, I, I I can accept that, assuming that you don't tell Sadius about it. I still right. don't trust him. Bam, that's, that's you. my man. That's you. That's yeah. me. I even said I'm that. I, I think I have it. Um, I'm like my notes say. Uh, Adeline is like Jack here, doesn't fully trust Sadius. Because <laughs> Adeline says like, it's you know, he's like, what if, like, what if he, um, you know, what if he's doing all this stuff, like listening to the way of Kings and, um, uh, you know, acquiescing on these plateau runs to make his scribes get a better payout from the gem hearts. Like you're too you're too worried about how great it is to have my friend back and maybe Sadius is doing something underhanded on the side and he's getting bigger payout from the gem hearts and Donalar's like I don't even care about the money the alliance is right. worth more than the gems and then he and then Dalinar says maybe it's me that's manipulating him I'm manipulating right. him into this alliance. I'm the one who's manipulating him into starting to read the the way of kings. The fact that this is happening is more important than all the money that he could be taking from me. Right. Which I think is really cool. It is really like cool. It's a, it's a really cool way to look at it. Like Adeline's worried about um, Dalinar being corrupted by Sadius, but Dalinar's like, I'm the one who's corrupting him to the good side. Him. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm the one who's influencing Sadius here. Yeah, he's. Right. I mean, I think Dalinar still has this hope. He sees something in Sadius, like he was a good friend in the past. Yeah, but you know, like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with Sadius here in terms of keeping your guard up, and in terms of the experience that I've read so far with Kaladin's experience with every single right light eyes, it's been a letdown, a betrayal. The only evidence that we have really in terms of the behavior of someone who's honorable is Dalinar and his son, Adeline. Right. Right. That's what we have to go on. Sadius's mm-hmm. behavior is, it's consistent in some ways with the codes that, that Dalinar is ascribing to, but, but in, in other ways, it's so completely opposite. Yeah. Like the way would, that he's treating his men, he's always wearing the flashy outfit. Right. I would, you I know, would like, suggest that Asadius, um, adheres strictly to Alethi traditions. Right. But not yeah. to the codes. The but codes are the like codes, ancient anyway. traditions that no one follows right. anymore than, uh, other than Dalinar and his men. But Sadius is strictly following, uh, you know, uh, Alethi, um, um, traditions that have been down for hundreds of years, right? So, like, it's it's just a tricky thing. What do you make of these? Uh, there's just a quick mention here with these um, storm wardens, right? What do you think? What do you think about these uh, weather I, persons? I think it's really cool. Actually, it feels like they're using using even though they're not like um, they can't read because he he goes into talking mm. about how they they can only read glyphs and it's like right. watch, looking at pictures and stuff. But it feels right. like they're using math to predict high storms. And well, I think and, I and like Downer it. is saying that he's seen the books, right? Like he mm-hmm. has, like they claim that they're that, that they're not using books, but they are, which kind of goes against again tradition yeah being i think that the majority of the storm wardens are male right shouldn't be reading that's true 
It's not so, like they're Ardents but, either. It's not like they're a segment of the Ardentia is the Storm Wardens, because if that's the case, mm. then they'd be allowed to read. But they're not. They're just random dudes who are like into weather. They're like weather fans. <laughs> like I, we I, love I weather. This, I see this a bit more like, you know, insidious in terms of like <laughs> like they like there appears to be just so many um disparate um positions let's say or aspects to the cultures presented in the series mm-hmm. where you get to know a person or their occupation and then when you find out about how they do it it's there's you know some lying going on some deceiving right. going on you know mm-hmm. i i just i just find that really interesting and yes they're right you know i guess the majority of the time but they're often often wrong too right which is just like meteorologists today. So right, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just a guessing game, and more more often than not, they're right, but they are uh, wrong a lot of the time. Dalinar ta- yeah. thinks about how this is close to blasphemy too, because remember, in Voronism, they're not supposed to foresee the future, and guessing when a high storm comes comes awfully close to guessing the future. You know, mm-hmm. trying to like prophecy and stuff. So, he he thinks that there's that they, they walk a very fine line uh, doing what they do. So Renarin is by the hearth. He's inspecting a Fabriel in this room. Mm-hmm. Navani's there as well. Navani's at the writing desk and she's scribbling down a letter. That's my girl, my girl Navani. Mm-hmm. I love her so much. She's such a great character. She proves it in this chapter too. Like we'll get there, but she, you know, she, yeah, her her worth to this family and to this series is incalculable. Like she's just she she's like her daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Her mm-hmm. daughter is like a full on amazing world renowned scholar, and Navani mm-hmm. is just the widow of the ki- of the king, but little by little proves her own importance and worth. She's just you know like. I'm not just the widow, right? I'm not just the right. king's mom. I'm also like she says later, she had a hand in building that Fabriel that uh, fa- right. that she shows yeah, off. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just getting to this. Yeah, yeah. Let's so talk about Adeline, that. So Adeline says um, something here that I think is important to mention. He says regarding Sadius, he says I don't care if he's listening to the Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. He's just doing it to make you look less closely at the plateau assaults. Right. So that his clerics can arrange and cut out the gem hearts more favorably. He's, he's manipulating you. Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned this earlier that, that, um, that Dalinar is like, well, gem hearts are secondary to me. Yeah. But again, I, I just, I, I think, I think that his suspicions as well as Navani's, Navani brings it up too. Right. With regards to having a distrust for Sat. For yeah. Sadius. She says, I like, she says something like I've never, she never cared for Sadius. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. But Dal- but Dalinar, you know, um, he he really truly believes that um, like Sadius has nothing to do with like the attempt on the king, the, or that's right. um, like so he, so he he for him he sees um, he only sees the good, which is really what Dalinar is, right? He only sees the good in people, so. You know, this new, this non-Blackthorn version of Dalinar is like very optimistic. Yeah, I suppose so. 
I mean, he's certainly not like the the violent warrior that was the Blackthorn. Mm-hmm. He's he's on a different a different path. Right. But, um. I like also how they stack the deck in terms of the Kingsguard. Yes. So again, they they are going to have the guards uh, outside of Elokar's rooms, and they want them stacked in their favor in terms of guards that are more loyal to right to Dalinar. This is how so much faith again... Dalinar has in his own men, not just in his sons, but like even like his soldiers. He's got so much faith in their loyalty that he's willing to uh, bet on the king's safety with his own men, and I love that. I think that's really really cool. I think I don't that's know cool if... too, but it also shows how he distrusts how he distrusts other guards, right? Who are loyal right. to other high princes? True, because he doesn't know. I think it right? shows that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, I don't know. Because he thinks to himself too. He's like, "There's something. There's still something a little off about this assassination attempt with the gem hearts in his uh, in the king's armor." Well, he says right here, "Yes, yeah, something odd did happen." With his armor. Right. Oh yeah, he says something I still haven't here, figured it actually. out. Actually, this, this whole mess stinks with creme slime. Creme slime. <laughs> I've been slimed. I've been slimed, um, slimer. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it will turn out to be nothing, but for now, humor me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Navani pipes in, I have to note that I didn't much care for Sadius back when you, he, and Gavilar were friends. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then Dalinar says, well, he did ask to be High Prince of Information, but that's because he wants to find out very badly who's trying to kill Elokar. Yeah. And he says, you know, I know, I know Sadius, and Sadius doesn't want to be king. He doesn't want that kind of power because well, that, it comes with too much responsibility. To According to Dalinar. According to Dalinar. Of all the people in the scene, the person who knows him the best is Dalinar because they used to be best friends. And mm-hmm. as long as Sadius is still relatively the same as he knew him back then, he, mm-hmm. he does, Sadius does not want the responsibility of failures. He wants to be the person behind the scenes, puppet mastering things and getting the praise when something goes well. But if something goes wrong, he wants someone at the forefront to be able to take the blame for it. So being a high prince suits him just fine. Renarin says, Mashallah, uh, addressing um, Navani. And again, I think that's important too, because it mm-hmm. shows that, you know, one of Dalinar's sons is using the proper terms. Right. Right. So, um, and he asks about her Fabril, what does that do? And she says, oh, this is a, it's a type of pain, pain reel. Mm-hmm. Here, let me show you. And she asks, do you have any aches? A stubbed toe or a scrape, and Renarin says no. But I think it's Adeline that pipes up and says, oh, I, "I hurt myself during dueling practice. It's not that bad, but it aches." And she motions for him to come over and places the the the, fa- the Faberol on him. <clears throat> and of course, his ache goes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Renarin Renarin is looking on in amazement at this stuff. And Dalinar thinks uh, he should have become an ardent. Because if he could have been an ardent, Mm -hmm. then he could read and he could actually become an engineer. But just by Mm -hmm. being, you know, a prince of a a kingdom like this, um, because he is a prince. He's not, you know, next in line for the Colon family, but he's a prince. He's Prince Renarin. Um, But he can't. 
Um, he can't do those things. It's not like, you know, Alethi traditions, like we're talking about, um, and Voronism says that he can't read. He shouldn't be able to read. Uh-huh. And so he can't right. do any of that kind of studies, even though he seems supremely interested in it, you know? But um, uh, he Navani... says, sorry, he says sorry, that uh, um, uh, Dalinar says that Renarin has like kind of always just given up, uh, given uh, weak excuses for why he doesn't want to become an ardent. So I don't know. Mm. Well, um, the so they're having this uh, this conversation, and then it kind of, it kind of comes to a a, a a sudden stop, yeah. which I thought was really great in this mm-hmm. in this chapter. So. Um, so Adeline and, uh, Dalinar are having a conversation with Navani about these shard blades and they're talking about the different technologies that have existed, that existed, uh, back in the time of the Dawn cities. Right. And Dalinar is saying, I've seen them Navani and they're, they're ancient, their technology is primitive. Mm-hmm. And, um, she asks about the Fabrils and he says, I've seen neither. There are shard blades in the visions, but they seem so out of place. Perhaps they were given directly by the heralds, as the legends say. And she says, perhaps. And then begins a sentence, and then she's gone. Yeah. And Dalinar is brought into a vision. Right. He's into a, like a... Really, really cool. He brings... Uh, he's brought into like a large open room with these pillars all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, the pillars are like sculpted sandstone, and there's like scrawling work all over them. It's um, mm-hmm. it's qu- quite an elaborate um, room that he's in. It says, like, enormous pillars sculpted of soft sandstone with ornamented and granular sides. The ceiling was far above, carved from the rock in geometric patterns that looked faintly familiar. Circles connecting by lines spreading outwards from one another. It's just this, like, really elaborate, like, display mm-hmm. of a room that he's in. Mm-hmm. Kind of like going back to, like, old Rome mm-hmm. with the pillars. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do, old friend, says this, this voice. Dalinar turns to see a youthful man in regal white and gold robes. He's got dark hair pulled back in, into braids and a short beard that comes to a point. The gold threads were woven into his hair and came together on his forehead to form a golden symbol, the symbol of the night's radiant. Right. So he... Is with now. I, I love this development with regards to Dalinar meeting this individual. Mm-hmm. Um, Dalinar doesn't really know who he's encountering, and he's trying to get information out of him. But he also and, says uh, he says um, it's important to, uh, to say that he he's mm. trying to get information, but he's also trying to do it mm-hmm. subtly because he's done it trying Naturally. forcefully before, and he doesn't get any information. Right. Yeah. So he's so trying I, to be this person named Carm. He's mm-hmm. trying to be this person and then ask kind of leading questions without it be breaking the spell. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if he's like, where am I? Who are you? <laughs> like, hey, it's, he's not going to get anywhere. I had hoped you would have uh, had some wisdom to share with me, Carm. The man that he's talking with says. They continue mm-hmm. walking toward the side of the room, approaching a place where the wall split into a massive balcony with a stone railing. It looks out over an evening sky the setting sun stained the air a dirty, sultry red. And that the man that he's talking with says, our own natures destroy us. Um, Alakavish was a surge binder. 
He should have known better. And yet the Nahal Bond gave him no more wisdom than an ordinary man. Alas, not all spren are as discerning as honor spren. Hmm. There's a lot of information in that little <laughs> that there little really bit. Is. We get mm-hmm. um Alakavish, we get Surge Binder, we get Nahel Bond, and we get Honor Spren. Mm-hmm. So what do you not like, all what do you make of all that? Discerning. Well, I think that Honor Spren, I would hope, appear when something honorable has been done. True. That's what I would hope. What about but what about this uh Nahel Bond thing? And yet the Nahelbon gave him no more wisdom than a regular man. Hmm. Well, it seems that there was hope put into this bond mm-hmm. that would maybe produce something far more beneficial than what they than the, than what the result they have. And 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 I think the result they have, like, isn't it like an ocean of bodies? Isn't that the sight that they see? Yeah. I forget where that comes up. Oh, yeah, it's on the next page. Mm-hmm. Well, Dalinar is asking similar questions to what I'm asking as a, as a first-time reader, which is why I underlined it. He's like, what's, what's a surge binder? Right. Yeah, he's you right now. What do you think should be done with these surge binders, Dalinar asks the man. And Yeah, uh, yeah he, he says, gets, I don't know uh, if we can force them to do anything. Right. Their power, well... Alakavish proves the allure that surge binders have for the common people. If only there was a way to encourage them. They need to be better, old friend. We all do. The responsibility of what we've we've been given, whether it be the crown or Nahel bond, needs to make us better. I think that's really important. So it sounds like they, they need to be better. Um, yeah. Cause that sounds and like, like he Dalinar. says the crown, like he says, even I, as the King have to be better. Whether it be the crown or the nail bond. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is really curious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all right. Carmi says, I realize that my thoughts on the subject are unconventional. Perhaps the rest of you are right. Perhaps our abilities are proof of a divine election. But if this is true, should we not be more wary of how we act? Mm-hmm. I like how concerned he is with that. He shares that with Dalinar. Yeah. And then Dalinar um, looks out across uh, over the balcony, uh, goes to the lip of the balcony. Uh, the perspective finally allows him to look over the landscape. And sees thousands of corpses confronting uh, confronting him in his mm-hmm. view. So obviously something com- com- completely devastating has happened. Yeah, he. I think they say at the beginning of the chapter or at the beginning of this vision, um, the man said, "They say that each time it is the same. We are never ready for the desolations. Mm-hmm. We should be getting better at resisting, but each time we step closer to destruction instead." So this sounds like these bodies all over the place, this sea of bodies that they're looking at, mm-hmm. this destruction is was a desolation. Wow. 
And then Dalinar is looking at it, and he and he begins to recognize the landscape. He says, Kolinar, yeah. this is my homeland. He sees the peaked stone formations rising like enormous fins into the air. Mm-hmm. Or they were referred to as the wind blades. I love that image. Yeah. Um, had the city been hit by an earthquake, he thought. Dalinar could smell the stench of the blood, the viscera, and the smoke. Blood of my father's, as he's looking around, he sees these stones that are cut like, but then he thinks those aren't stones, they're creatures. Mm -hmm. Five or six times the size of a person, their skin dull and gray like granite. Their faces were lean, narrow, and arrow-like. What happened here, Dalinar asks. It's terrible. I ask myself the same thing. How could we let this occur? The desolations are well-named. There you go. I've heard initial counts. Eleven years of war, and nine out of ten people I once ruled are dead. That is Do we even... a lot of death. That's, unre- that's, that's unreal. Do we even have kingdoms to lead any longer? Mm-hmm. Sir is gone, I'm sure of it. Tarma, Ilis, they won't likely survive. Too many of their people have fallen. Yeah, this is this is horrendous. Dalinar thinks to himself he had never heard of these places just mentioned. Right. And mm-hmm. it makes sense because this is like this is a very long time ago that he's in right now. And so these places either don't exist anymore or right. like just got renamed over time, right? Because we know that like Alethkar used to be called Alethala. Right. Like we know this because of the stuff that we've learned in the books. And so these places that he mentions, I mean, they, they in essence don't exist anymore because of thousands of years of, you know, it'd be like talking invoke, about. I'm going to invoke Doc Brown and say that they've been erased from existence. <laughs> Anytime you can slip it a back to the future quote, you do. Anytime. It's a I standard. Will. I will. There should be, there should be this at least be one. Happening. You can't be here. There should be one okay, Doc um, Brown quote per episode. One Doc Brown quote per episode. Yeah. yeah we, had, we need to go re-edit the other episodes and include a Doc Brown. Um, yeah, this is completely devastating um, for him to see this, but I really like where this is going um, because he gets a huge reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, the man that he's encountering makes a fist, pounding it softly on the railing, overlooking these thousands of corpses. The cremating of them has already begun. And he says, the others want to blame Alakavish. And true, if he hadn't brought us to war, before the desolation, we might have been broken. We might not have been broken this badly. Mm -hmm. But Alakavish was a symptom of a greater disease. When the heralds next return, what will they find? A people who have forgotten them yet again? A world torn by war and squabbling? If we continue as we have, then perhaps we deserve to lose. Yeah. And then Dalinar, he feels a, a chill. He hadn't seen any of the Knights Radiant yet, but that might not be because they hadn't disbanded. He's starting to think that maybe they don't exist yet. Yeah. In this time frame. And this is when he starts to realize who this guy is. Right. And he's like, wait a Which minute. Which was an awesome reveal. Because the, the history mm-hmm. of The Way of Kings as a book within the series is the the book that Nohadan 
and we learn a little bit here that Nohadan might be just a title that his this guy's name might not be Nohadan that Nohadan might be more of a title mm. and that in his writing of the way of kings the knights radiance were formed because they based all their ideals on the writings in the way of kings they right. based how they acted and how they should conduct themselves on this the writing of this book so when he says there aren't any radiance yet he's right there aren't any orders of radiance at this point but there are surge binders there are people like right. Alec Havish who have some kind of bond so I don't mean I don't want to like you know, lead you down a road here, but there's a bunch of evidence here that's explaining kind of like the timeline of things. And, mm-hmm. um, and we like Dalin are saying it like, this is clearly before any orders are formed because the book allows those orders to be formed. Right. Once the way of Kings is written. Right. It sounds like the heralds, um, were there to lead mankind in desolations, but mankind took it upon themselves to form these knights radiant, these orders of people who could do spectacular things to try to combat the desolations. Could he really be standing beside the very man whose words Dalinar had listened to time and time again? Yeah. There is honor in loss, Dalinar says, using words repeated several times in the way of Kings. Yeah. The man says, using my own sayings against me, Carm. Yeah. So then that's and when then it clicks Dalinar, for him. He's like, holy shit, yeah, it's yeah. Nohadon. Yeah. And like, if there Agreed. ever was like a, a Nohadon fanboy, it would be Dalinar. Dalinar is like, <laughs> he stands for Nohadon big time. Well, he's standing, he's standing with the author. It'd be like us standing with Brandon, Mr. Sanderson. Yeah, and we're like, and we said, hey, uh, life before death or whatever, right? And then he's all like, yeah, journey before weakness. We're like, holy shit, it's him. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, what's the deal with Sadius? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can I trust him, dude? Yeah. And I'm like, don't tell him, uh, sir. Can you hook me up with uh, an introduction to Sil? Yeah. Um, Noah Don, the great king, he was real. This man was younger than Dalinar had imagined, but that humble yet regal bearing, yes, it was right. Yeah, that's that's who he's thinking it is. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of giving up my throne, Noadon says. Dalinar says, no, you mustn't. I cannot lead them, the man says, not if this is what my leadership brings them to. And then he says, Noadon. He actually says it out loud. Mm-hmm. And the man answers to it. He says, what? Yeah. Well, their conversation continues, and um, Noadon says, so what do I do? He says, you're asking me? You're my advisor, aren't you, Carm? Yeah. Well, I should like some advice. You can't give up your throne. And what do I do with it, Noadon says. I haven't faith in people any longer, old friend, Noadon says. Put two men together, and they will find something to argue about. Yeah. Gather them into groups, and one group will find reason to oppress or attack the other. Now this. How do I protect them? How do I stop this from happening again? This sounds like Kaladin. It does, doesn't it? Right there, with Bridge 4? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Kaladin. How do I protect them? 
How do I prevent this from happening again? You dictate a book, Dalinar says eagerly. A grand book to give uh, people hope, to explain your philosophy on leadership and how lives should be lived. A book? Me? Write a book. Why not? That's because it's a fantastically stupid idea. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> um, <laughs> the world we know, uh, it has quite nearly been destroyed. Barely a family exists that hasn't uh, lost half its members. Our best men are corpses on that field, and we haven't food to last more than two or three months at best. And I'm to spend my, my time writing a book? This reminds me of The Princess Bride, where it's like, my brains, his steel, and your strength. And you think a little head jiggle is supposed to make me happy? Hmm? <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's like, our best men... You want me to write a and you and you want me to write a book? You you would scribe it for me? All of my word spren were slaughtered when uh, Yelignar broke into the Chancery. You're the only man of letters I know of who's still alive. The only man of letters. Yeah, and then Dalinar's like, "This was an odd time." And then he says, "Well, I could and, write it then." Yeah. Imagine that Dalinar is the one who physically writes the book. I mean, Dude. it doesn't go down that way. But you know oh. what I mean? Oh, well, we don't, I guess. We, well, I like, guess we I mean, in this uh, moment, Dalinar is in this guy's in this moment, body yeah. or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't write the book right now. So, um, but, but imagine Karm, if this scene, they're like, okay, well, let's write a book. You just write it right now. And Dalinar like, holy shit, I'm writing the oh book I God. love. That'd be, so that would be truly incredible. Yeah. He's um, like a brain buster. I, 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 he says, I could write it then. And he says, with one arm. Have you learned to write left-handed then? Dalinar looks down. He sees both of his arms. But yeah. apparently the man Noadon Karm uh, saw was missing his right arm. No, we need to rebuild, Noadon says. I just wish there was a way to convince the kings, the ones still alive, not to seek advantage over one another. So this is my decision. Step down or do what is needed. This isn't a time for writing. It's a time for action. And then, unfortunately, a time for the sword. To everything, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> there is a reason. Isn't that, isn't that how it sounds? Um, it's time. Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, who wrote that song? Is it the, the, uh, the Turtles? Yeah, it's the Turtles, I think. The yeah, it's it's just like there there's a time for the sword, the time for action. I just I don't know. It sounds it sounds like it's part of it. And then Dalinar's like the sword. You're like he's mm -hmm. a this guy's a philosopher king. Mm -hmm. Since when is he a warrior? Mm -hmm. But like like Dalinar himself, Dalinar was a you know a, a butcher. He was the the Blackthorn before he became. You know, this Dalinar colon we see here. So it's mm -hmm. possible for men to go from warmongers to um, to philosophers. It says here, at times it seems to me, and this is, uh, no, uh, this is Noadon. At times it seems to me that to be human is to want that which we cannot have. For some this is power. For me it is peace. What do you yeah. think of that? Yeah. Noadon turns and walks back down the balcony. 
Though his pace was slow, his posture indicated that he wished to be alone. Dalinar let him go. He goes on to become one of the most influential writers Roshar has ever known. Yeah. There was silence, save for the calls of the people working below gathering the corpses. And Dalinar says, I know you're there. And there's silence. Who do you think he's talking about here? The voice that, that occurs. Right, in the voice visions. that's always in the visions, right? What does he decide, Dalinar uh, asks. Did he unite them as he, as he wanted? The voice that often spoke in his visions did not come. He sighed, turning to look out over the fields of the dead. You were right about one thing, at least. Know it on. To be human is to want that which we cannot have. Mm-hmm. And then the vision ends. Mm-hmm. And then Dalinar's like, well, that was fucking useless. <laughs> I didn't learn anything. Yeah. And, uh, and Navani says, Dalinar, uh, the, the last thing you said before the visions ended, mm-hmm. what was it? And uh, Dalinar's like, the last? Yes, Navani says. The very last words you spoke. I was quoting the man I'd been speaking with. To be human is to want that which we cannot have. Why? She ignores him. Yes, he's... Navani goes and... She she searches for a book. And then amongst his books... Yeah, she pulls a a volume. A volume off the shelf. It's called Corvana's Analectics. Mm -hmm. It's one of Yasna's books. Yes. Here, Navani says, she looks up at Dalinar, when you go into these visions of yours, you know what you speak? And he says, gibberish, my sons have told me. And she says, I'm going to butcher this really bad. Anak Malakaf, Del Makian, Habinya. Navani says, sound familiar? It sounds a lot like what father was saying, Renarin said, when he was in the vision. Mm-hmm. And it's this old dialect, right? It's this old language. It's a like an ancient, forgotten, lost language. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and then Navani um, says, this phrase is in the Analectics almost exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a line from a song, she says, a chant by the Vanriel, an order of artists who live in the slopes of the silent mount in Yakovet. Year after year, century after century, they've sung the same words, songs they claim were written in the dawn chant by the heralds themselves. They have the words of those songs written in the ancient script, but the meanings have been lost. They're just sounds now. And he was uttering them, this right. like dawn chant. Yeah, and she's like, you, you spoke a line from one of them. Beyond that, if the phrase you just gave me is correct, you just translated it. This could prove the Vanuel hypothesis. One sentence isn't much, but it could give us the key to translating the entire script. It has been itching at me for a while listening to these visions. I thought the things you were saying had too much order to be gibberish. Dalinar, you might have just cracked one of the most perplexing and ancient mysteries of all time. Right. It's crazy. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. So not only did they find proof of, because she says, like, this is proof. And Adeline's like, but he could have heard that sentence, you know, like off somewhere else and just repeated it. And she's like, and extrapolated an entire language from it. This isn't gibberish. This isn't, uh, yeah. it's, but it's no language that people speak 
I suspect it is what it seems. It's the Don chant. So unless you can think of another way that your father learned to speak a dead language, Adeline, right. the visions are most certainly real. Fuck right. yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, Dalinar, she said, I want, you to st- I want you to describe this vision as accurately as possible. I need the exact words you spoke. If you can recall them, every bit we gather will help my scholars sort through this. Yeah. It's great because like it's... It's great. It's, That's the chapter end. You, you, you think about it in like these terms of like archaeology and like they know this symbol means this word and just by having right. this symbol mean this word, then they can go and try to figure out what all the other ones mean and you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really cool. But like with him f- coming back with this phrase... Right. There's just this one right. phrase one phrase now they can probably extrapolate that from right. all these from all these other sort of texts and stuff mm-hmm. and, um, and now for future visions she'll she's going to be even more vigilant because she says you know like i uh, i wrote everything down as best as i could and he's like why did you do why would you do that he's like because it could be helpful and it was look like mm-hmm. <laughs> me writing everything down was perfect this is exactly why you have me here mm-hmm yeah, so we get that which you cannot have. What do you What do you think? I mean, what's your highlight for this one? For this chapter, my highlight mm-hmm. is. Um, I mean, I Navani, man, Navani's yeah. um, a, a brilliance. Like, you know, everyone this whole time with all this like vision scribing stuff has been saying. Well, we can't really do much. We have to wait till Yasna comes back because Yasna's the only one smart enough to figure this shit out. You know what I mean? And like every everyone's over always overlooking Navani and and her yeah. ability to be a scholar. You know, like we said just earlier, she's just the widow of the king. She's just the current king's mom, but she's not just those things. She's so multifaceted. She's a Fabrial scientist, and she's obviously an, an accomplished scholar and scribe for having yeah. been able to remember it's this never, stuff. It's 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 never been the way I've I've seen the character because I've I think the way you see this uh, Navani is through Dalinar's eyes, and he paints her as being so beautiful, mm-hmm. so competent. Mm-hmm regal um you know and having had uh yasna like where do you think yasna got it from right was it the king's ambition probably not there's remember there's a moment earlier in the book when yasna says to shalon she says you know when my father discovered when my my father discovered which we know you know, we know the, the lies of who discovered the Parshendi. There's everyone thinks they right. discovered them. But when my father discovered the Parshendi, he was so interested in them as a people that we bonded over the scholarly pursuits of investigating right. them because they never mm-hmm. had anything else in common. So we know that Yasna doesn't get it from Gavilar because Gavilar was never interested in any of that kind of stuff. But clearly mm-hmm. Navani is. So you're Navani, right. right. Navani. Yeah, she's a cool character. I, I would say that my highlight, I mean, certainly this Navani reveal that the visions are real, proving to his son, like, this is huge for Adeline. This is like, okay, mm-hmm. boy, I'm not crazy. You know, this is real. This is happening. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge moment for Adeline too, which I'm probably, you know, we're probably going to get to in the next next chapters is his taking that in. Um, yeah. But I love the highlight of Noah Don saying, <laughs> you want me to write a book 
That's the stupidest right. idea I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. I mean, I mean, it's like you know, you're meeting, it's you're you're meeting your hero, right? Yeah. Like you're you're you know you're you're meeting George Lucas <laughs> the, the, back in the mid '60s. You're, you're like, Lucas, you should make a movie meeting, about uh, yeah. guys with lightsabers with like glowing swords. That is the stupidest idea ever. Yeah, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> I just think that's that's a great moment in in this. Yeah, it I, is. I like it a lot. It's um, great. So, great chapter. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know it's what great. else is awesome? Info dumps. Info dump. Info dump. Info dump. Info dump. <laughs> I don't know what that last part was. Well, that was the most interesting uh, info dump song. Yeah, I'll, you know what I'll do is I'll clip that and then we'll use that before every info dump from now on. Info dump. Yeah, we can't use the Fabricland thing because we're we are going to get sued by Fabricland. Oh, we totally are using Fabricland. Um, so yeah, it's perfect uh, for info. Dump. Only a couple of points here on the info dump this week, um, or this episode. Um, it was mentioned earlier by Noah Don um, that here, let me find it. Who would scribe it for me? All my wordsmen right. were slaughtered when Yelignar broke into the chancery. So mm-hmm. uh, Yelignar, we had a um, little um, epigraph. I think they're called epitaphs, maybe. The little blurbs before chapters. Um, during part yep. three, when it was a collection of all the stuff that Yasna was researching, there was a little part on mm-hmm. Yelignar. Yelignar, called Blightwind, was one that could speak like a man, though often his voice was accompanied by the wails of those he consumed. And then the little subtext postscript here underneath that quote is, The unmade were obviously fabrications of folklore. Curiously, most were not considered individuals, but instead personifications of kinds of destruction. This quote is from Mm -hmm. Traxel, line 33, considered a primary source, though I doubt its authenticity. So we, mm. we've heard this name Yelignar before. Um, so I clearly, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So Yelignar That's interesting. existed back in pre night radiant right. days when Nohadon right. had not read the, written the book yet. Not written the, the book. Right. Yeah, and then Yasna is researching Yelignar mm. in the present mm. day. So I just wanted to point that out that there's a. Something that stretches through time here again. But no but Noadon is suggesting that Yelignar is responsible for there being no scribes, correct? Right, because he broke into the chancery during this desolation and killed all of his wordsmith. So is Yelignar an ally of Noadon in turn? It doesn't sound like it. All my words wordsmen were slaughtered when Yelignar broke into the chancery. So it sounds like Yelignar killed all of his all of his uh, um wordsmen's. Right. So Yelignar sounds he... like a, a foe to Nohadon. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, just a little point to to, to, to to bring up. The other thing too, I just want to expand a little bit on the Fabriel that they talk about earlier with the um, the pain reel. The pain um, reel, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mentioned that there are a lot of um, applications. Uh, Adelin thinks like, what, imagine what you could, uh, soldiers could use it on the battlefield. And then Navani brings up, like you said, um, even more so for Surgeon. surgeons. And I keep thinking about Liren and Kaladin and how this could have helped so much um, during mm-hmm. their their days um, in Hearthstone. 
She calls it a dimin, uh, dim, uh, diminu, uh, diminutive, oh, dim, diminutive, dim, dim, diminutive, diminutive. Is that the diminutive. word I'm looking for? Diminutive, I think so. Yeah. It diminishes. <clears throat> it's a diminishing. Ah, that's the word I'm looking for. A diminishing Fabriel. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm gonna have to <laughs> edit that. No. You know what? Let's just keep it in. It's super real. Keep it in. Keep it in. This guy doesn't know how to say dimin- diminishing. Uh, it's a diminishing. I thought it was. I thought it was diminutive. Um, it's a diminishing Fabriel, and it's set to diminish pain. So I I wondered, are there diminishing Fabrials for other kinds of things? Can you diminish anger? Well, Could you diminish um, like um, all any of these kinds of things? Could a Fabrial? Well, that's be... where I was going with the whole with, with the whole spren thing. Right. Is that spren occur from? certain actions, activities that, that occur, mm-hmm. certain feelings, emotions, even aspirations like mm-hmm. honor, honor is an aspiration. Right. Right. And yet it can produce honor spread. Right. So what can you, what kind of fabrils can you devise that are. Right. You know, so you could get one that is like an exhaustion reel where uh, you clip it on and you could run for days because you're not exhausted. Maybe you could mm-hmm. do one for hunger or maybe, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's, mm-hmm. it has all kinds of different possibilities that they could be, be making it up for. She said that, um, she also says that, uh, the, um, they can't make, um, shards, uh, but the closest is the half shard shield right. that they, they, we've already been introduced to. So there's, that yeah. was part brought into the conversation as well, but yeah, so that's, that's all I got for info dump. Um, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's a little uh, little taste. I do like the Elignar thing, bringing that back. I, I really, I think it's really cool. Yeah, that's I, I like that too. I, I miss that entirely. Well, there's so much to keep track. There's so of much. In yeah, terms of the, that's why there's two of like us, right? Well, there you go. So the next um, are set and of chapters that we're going to be doing, I believe, are we doing two? I think we're going to do chapters in a row. Two, yeah, because we've been doing kind of one off. Sixty-one and sixty-two. Um, this one, th- like this episode, has two, but I believe we're going to do two. Let me just check real quick here. Um, it's not too long. Yeah, we're going to do two. We're going to do 61 and 62. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. And, uh, I'm yeah, excited. So, yeah, we're me too. We're getting so close um, to the end. I hope you guys are excited out there. And if you are excited, you can always support the show at patreon.com slash heroes of... We have a couple of bonus episodes up there. We do early access on Sundays. The patrons get early access to the episodes. So if you want to, if you can't wait to hear our voices, then you want to get on there and support the show. If you want to support the show indirectly, you can always do so by rating and reviewing us or telling people word by, by word of mouth. We would love for our names to come out of your mouth and tell people about us. Um, (laughs) Why is it that, why is it that when I do this part at the end of the show, always devolves into like really weird gross stuff um because they're talking about earballs and and it's just weird um if you want to reach out and ask questions to us you can always go to heroes of uh hakathra at gmail.com you can send us an email you can reach out at uh, on twitter at heroes of one um or on instagram at heroes of hakathra or actually i think it's actually i changed it i think you just have to look up the storm pod on instagram now and you can find it a little easier um the one thing i do want to bring up is that we got a new patron i want to give a shout out to our friend joel um thanks for becoming hey, a, joel. Hey, thanks for becoming <laughs> a part of the team thanks very much yeah, he's a fellow uh, D- uh, Dungeon Master, Stormlight Archive fan like oh, us. 
Mm. Mm-hmm. So I uh, had a nice chat with him on Discord uh, yesterday. Yeah, that's another reason to become part of the um, uh, Patreon uh, team. You'll get access to the Discord server and can join in the chat with everybody on there. So, um, yeah. So, anyways. I will be uh, popping on to, to, to talk on it. But please, for those that, that do pop on, yes. uh, I need to be kept uh, sequestered in terms of of what... Uh, of what I'm allowed to know. Yeah, please don't ruin it. it's still a mystery to me. Yes, very much so. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. And uh, till next time. Take care, everybody. StormPod is brought to you by Heroes Of. Theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, Jay, Phil, Mike, and Sean. The Heroes of Hakathra. <laughs>